This is the podcast for January 20th, 2012. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the Super Pack in my pants, it's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. just noticing an article on Alternet that puts it so clearly. Gingrich in South Carolina debate shows religious right is about patriarchy, not oh, yeah. family values. Well, patriarchy is, is family values. Yeah, right. There's, there's, there's 100% overlap when you're you know that Christian conservative. It's white Christian men at the top who mm-hmm. commune directly with God yeah. and everybody else in their place in a hierarchy beneath them. Including or, as I tweeted and- today, shorter Gingrich... Getting a blowjob from my mistress is a sacrament when it's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It absolutely is. It's holy water. Oh. It's, <laughs> All right. It's not of the that. blood of Christ. I don't want to hear anymore uh, about Newt Gingrich getting blowjobs, and I brought it's, it up. It's, it's protein-based. That's all Ugh. I can say. Yeah, and and uh, and like uh, one of the themes that I like to at least lightly touch on is the, something we can learn from the right. And this has been true, and I've been reading this week. I've gone from Andrew Breitbart to David Brooks um, in terms of uh, rhetorical style. One is bomb-throwing, bombastic. One is just a, a Weasley hack. But they they have one thing in common, and that's from uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing. These people never stop turning the end of their sentences towards, and liberals are evil. They just never fucking stop doing it. And by repetition – they get their message across. So Gingrich was confronted last night. We're recording this Friday, and we're doing it on the fly because we love doing this on the fly. We do, and and we wanted to include the debate in our yeah. program. And Skype was screwy last night, and we uh-huh. have a couple of appointments we have to make today. So we're really just sort of doing this on horseback. But Newt Gingrich was asked about his mistress, <laughs> essentially <laughs> asked about his, his trifling ways, his adultery, his adulterous ways, and his ex-wife coming out and saying that he had said he wanted an open marriage. And his response was, the liberal media is trying to destroy me. Yeah. And really, this is what you could go to, I know I've said this before, but catching Jack the Ripper standing over a body with a butcher's knife in his hand, the first thing out of his mouth, is, if he's a Republican, is, I'm sure my liberal enemies will try to use this against me. Yes. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's so fucking instinctive with this. It's so automatic that no matter what the criticism is, and this, again, I wanted to get back just a little bit to... Andrew Breitbart. There's a local hack who who was a, a little Breitbart clone who writes for a thing called Publius. Who there was a, a big blow up over what Dana Lash, the crazy uh, lying freak who was hired by CNN because she's a Republican, mm-hmm. had talked about how cool it was that we pee on the bodies of our enemies. Uh, Marines doing that. She had no problem with that. And Andrew Breitbart immediately comes out and defends her and says, "We need to circle our wagons. We need to circle our wagons. I need. I remember when this was done to me, and as conservatives, we need to stick together." And his little clone carried the argument to the last logical step, which was because what Dana Lash did, whatever it was, this faux controversy is nothing compared to what the left gets away with every day. And then we're back talking about how evil liberals are. And if you read. Pretty much anything written by almost any conservative, 
everything in the debate, every criticism of everybody, it was all looped back to the liberal press, the liberal media, Barack Obama, the secret communist. No matter what the criticism was, no matter how brutal, no matter how honest and clear it was, it just bounces off this armor that, no, of course. And, and that's because these people have been fucking brainwashed into believing nothing that comes out of any source if it's not Fox News. Right. And Fox – so they're – as I've said before, they're lost. These people are gone because they cannot accept any more inputs. Uh, they've evolved to the point where they can accept no media nutrients except that which is fed to them through Rupert Murdoch's sphincter, mm-hmm. through Rush Limbaugh's sphincter. And they simply reject anything, any vitamins, any, <laughs> any fruits or vegetables that come from any source other than that. And they're lost. They can't. So, so anything. This is why you and I have a little bit of a slight disagreement uh, when it comes to outrage. Yeah. I just shrug. Of course, they believe. They believe anything. They're fucking brainwashed little automata. They believe anything. They're told as long as it comes from Fox News or a Republican candidate. And so it doesn't matter what Newt Gingrich says. It doesn't matter what he imputes. He. You know, I was tweeting last night that Newt Gingrich you know, invented. Uh, with Marconi in 1622 invented elbow macaroni radio and he traveled back in time to invent Calvin Coolidge out of a kit he got through the mail which he invented <laughs> and and the audience stood up like the train seals of the arm went yes he's that's so true it's so true because they will believe anything they're told by the right and that's what we we just we keep failing to understand that message that it doesn't matter how many times we are outraged it doesn't matter how many times we roll our eyes it doesn't matter how many times you say, good God, can you believe what, what Willard Romney said today? Of course I can believe it because they're, they're, it's North Korea. They believe anything their dear leader says. And Speaking nothing- of which, yes? today, today is January 20th. It is. And three and years a- ago today, as you say, history yeah. began. History began. For Sarah yeah. Palin and Michelle well, Bachman and a lot of other people in the right wing. Pretty much the entire conservative movement. Um, it denies that history there was any history before January twentieth, two thousand nine. History began when the Kenyan communist usurper tricked and lied and who, who wasn't really born here, uh, stole and 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 magicked and hypnotized his way into their White House and proceeded to destroy the country. And that is the party line. And and one of the other things that I noted last night was the real winner of the Republican debates has been future historians. Because future historians can now very easily point to the period during which the Republican Party completely lost its shit in public without any shame whatsoever. It didn't even stop bother stop bothering to try to hide the fact that they're crazy. And it was this debate period because to believe anything these people say, you literally have to believe that nothing at all ever happened before January 20th, 2009. There, there's one the, thing that is subtext to all of this, though, that's not being reported mm-hmm. uh, that came up when uh, Governor Rick Perry endorsed Gingrich. Yeah. And that is that all of the other candidates really personally hate Mitt Romney. <laughs> And I've heard this from several sources yeah. that this this is a situation where Mitt Romney is perturbed that these other candidates are standing in the way of his red carpet to the White House. 
And it's not even a situation where, you know, we disagree, and in the end we know that whoever is the nominee, we're all going to support him. These guys don't want to share a cab with Mitt Romney. I mean, just no love lost at all. So there is going to be a continual ganging up on Mitt Romney forever, until Uh the convention and probably at the convention at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a brokered convention, would you? Um, I, I wouldn't surprise, be surprised if it was a contentious convention. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, I have to believe that the Republican Party, no matter what they do, it's just win-win for us. Yeah, well. Uh, as pundits and as observers. Because it really is going to get down to a a an evil troll living under a bridge named the bottom. Newt yeah. Gingrich yeah. Yeah. who will just throw gobbets of redder and bloodier meat to the mob the more the closer he gets to what he wants or the, the more he feels it slipping away so when Newt Gingrich just puts the dog whistle down altogether and starts jumping up and down and screaming n-word 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 and, and the, the little clan the little clansmen wannabes on the right, just start freaking out and screaming and applauding. And everyone in the media reacts as if this is a shocking thing. Oh my gosh, can you believe that a bunch of, of Republicans are acting like a bunch of racist lunatics? Of course you can. You'd have to be brain dead not to notice this for the last 30 years. But it's either him or this robot, this completely reprogrammable, conscienceless robot. And that's why the, the, uh, the distinction, the, the real problem with Romney and the always-be-closing aspect of the Republican propaganda machine is what led me to David Brooks's column today, which was his he, – he took on some imaginary critic out there. He never mentioned who said this, but <sighs> he, he, he said that <laughs> – I know what you're going to say, and it just – it exasperates prob- me so much more than it exasperates you. I know you shrug, shrug your shoulders all week long, but – the, the problem with Mitt Romney is that people think he's lazy and he's you know a, a rich, closeted, lazy – uh, son of wealth. Well, that's just not true at all. And then he goes through a 10-paragraph history of Mormonism in America. I don't know anybody who thinks Mitt Romney's lazy at all. That's never been the criticism of Romney, but that's the straw man that David Brooks needs to construct to build this this 800-word gooey, yeah. awful mash note. Because he, can't, he cannot say that the tax system in this country is unfair. No. He can't say and that. And he can't say that you can't say that the brief against Romney is that he doesn't have a soul, yeah. that he's a corporate raider, that he's a sociopath, that he doesn't care about humans because he is no longer, he's a corporation. as William Gibson said, yeah, he's, he is a corporation. Yeah, he's, he's a walking, people. talking corporation. Yep. David Brooks can't say that because he can't, he can't address that issue because that's an honest argument. So instead, he invents this straw man to essentially write a mash note to his future meal ticket. Yeah. Oh, Mitt Romney, oh, I love you so well, much. And a lot of his that- columns this week uh, and last week have been, leave poor Mitt Romney alone. Yes, yes. You know, and, because I, and, what you're saying about Mitt Romney and his wealth transfers to me and my wealth. Oh, yeah. Directly. And, and, and if this guy is the president, and he might very well be, I have to start sucking him off right, right now. now. <laughs> because my job is to be the 
craven political establishmentarian testicle cozy. Yeah, yeah. Number one, that's that's yeah. all David Brooks is. He is a he is a complete. He's a Uriah Heap. He's a he's a Weasley little suck up to power, and that's all he trades on is his insider knowledge and his his ability to tell you what they're really thinking behind those closed doors. And he always gets it wrong, but his columns are so predictably these mash notes, these 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 stalkery kind of columns to John Thune yes. or to uh, <laughs> to Mitt Romney. Just and they're just so ugly. They're yeah. so they're so off putting. And they're so gooey, and like I said, they're they're so saccharine, and they that they don't pass the basic test of journalism. What they are are some someone of this crowd here is going to be the Republican candidate, and I need to suck up to every one of them now in a hurry. So I need to break up with with uh, Barack Obama now and run over to the Republican Party. Perfect segue to what we want to talk about. Yes, indeed. Which is this whole thing with Arthur Brisbane, public editor of the New York Times. Yep. Asking the question. Just asking the question. Should newspaper staff writers challenge rather than Uh, merely report the facts that are asserted by newsmakers? uh And Jay Rosen and a lot of other people on Twitter (laughs) kind of exploded and went, well, yeah. (laughs) This is the whole job. (laughs) That's your whole. But it, that's the Judith Miller school it of is, journalism. It is, and, and the David uh, Gregory. You know, I'm just yeah. doing the reporting. Yeah. Well, remember and David Gregory famously said, "It's not my job to fact check my guests. Right. My my viewers can do that. Yes. What? Well, and, no. and I want to say you haven't heard this yet, but um, uh-huh. I've, I've gotten gotten an email today from someone pointing out that this morning Chuck Todd questioned whether Stephen Colbert is actually not just questioning the money situation in politics, but attacking Republicans. Uh-huh. What, this is the quote. Yeah. What is his real agenda here? Is it to educate the public about the dangers of money in politics and what's going on? Or is it simply to marginalize the Republican Party? I think if I were a Republican candidate, I would be concerned about that. Yeah. Then he got out of his Republican Barbie dolls and went. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> and yeah, if I were my question is, how can a person who is on no Republican ballot uh-huh. marginalize Republican candidates? He's well, not he's going to be. Up. You you mentioned maybe he'd make a debate because he has more than one percent. He can't make a debate. He's not on the ballot. Yeah. yeah. Stephen Colbert isn't on the ballot anywhere. He's, and this joke and, and, about running as Herman Cain, when Herman Cain is already collecting, you know, money on speaking tour. I mean, it, he didn't even his foot didn't even hit the floor of putting no. his campaign in recess, or no. you know, and he's yeah. out there. How you doing? I'm going to collect some speakers fees now. Uh huh. It just. Uh-huh. He's, he'll be making some Mitt Romney money he's now. He's going to make some Mitt Romney. He's, well, yeah. that's not very much. That's only $374,000 a year. A year. Which yeah. is 100000 yeah, more than we make in a week from yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Thirty seven fifty a week is a good week for 75. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so, it, it's a rounding error in a rounding error. Yeah. Yeah. But but Stephen, and, and that's what that's what has to make people like Chuck Todd incredibly nervous. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Stephen Colbert is not 
merely mocking the Republican Party and, and using his platform as a satirist and John Stewart as his foil to point out the absurdity of the law as it exists now and the absurd way in which our politics is now completely broken. He's using it to mock the media. Yeah. He's using it to slap people like Chuck Todd right in the face and say, you just – you can't report this – you can't report the real story here because the corporations who own your soul would fire yes, you if you did Yes, and they're that. making money off of these packs. Yeah. Your, your so affiliates you and your networks and your advertising agents, everybody's getting rich on yeah, your side and, of the planet. And you are absolutely not allowed to say that. There, As we've repeated many times, there there are several things you are simply never allowed to say on television. Yeah. Unless, or you'll end up on current TV with people. <laughs> you know? We all are going to end up on current TV if yeah, we're we'll, lucky. We'll all have our own shows. <laughs> It'll be great. And, and that will be awesome. But – you you will be and it really does make a difference. I mean the, the 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 size of the platform you have to work with makes a huge difference. The fact that you can get tens of millions of viewers of Meet the Press and that what gets said on there gets repeated at water coolers as the insider political gospel really makes a difference. This is why I write about centrism and the media all the time because those are the two central pillars of of our broken system. And unless you take them down, our system is going to remain broken forever. And Chuck Todd knows goddamn well that there are certain things you are never allowed to say on mm-hmm. television. You are never allowed to say that the, the problem with this country is the Republican Party. Whatever the faults, whatever, whatever flaws the Democratic Party have are trivial compared with the complete moral implosion of the Republican mm-hmm. Party and that people who saw this coming for 30 years have been warning you that eventually you're going to end up with a stage full of robots and, and evil trolls screaming racist invectives and inventing crap and it'll be it'll be a circus. Well, you know, when and, John King asked Rick Santorum, Conan or Leno, yeah. I did a Photoshop that had a picture of John King that said Douchebag or collaborator, <laughs> and everybody wrote back to me and said both. You know, and that's yeah. what you're yeah. dealing with with Chuck Todd is he's a collaborator in this system. Oh, he is, and he, they he all is. are, and that's what they well, cannot and- admit. That, so they have to ask the question: Is this, you know, what is this doing to Republicans? No, what is this doing to you, Chuck Todd? Well, and if you unravel, for example, if you if you unbundle or unravel. The mystery of why Newt Gingrich even exists. Yeah. Newt Gingrich exists because David Gregory has him on as a guest every fucking month, yep. or did before he was a candidate. Oh, he did last week. Newt, he was on last Newt, week. Well, but Newt Gingrich was a pundit, guest, bomb thrower, colorful, et cetera, et cetera, who, as I've said Speaker before – Speaker in sound bites. He knows exactly when never, to end before the commercial comes on. Yeah. And, and has not – and never – and hadn't held office since Allie McBeal was on television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet – he keeps getting invited back on the single most popular Sunday morning insider political show in the country, in the world, arguably, by the same right-leaning ass clown smirking haircut because he, he he's good for ratings. He's yeah. good for viewers. And Newt Gingrich has a system, which is he goes out and says incredibly divisive, hateful, racist nonsense, whether it's Kenyan – Oh, yeah, the, uh, the Kenyan colonialism. Yeah, or it's the or it's the you don't hear much about the grounds or a mosque now, do you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sort of went away. That's like the Neville brothers. It just it was popular for a while and now it's gone. <laughs> uh, 
but but he jumps on every pop cult hate mongering demagogic demagogic bandwagon available says the most outrageous things to pump up his his public profile raise his speaking fees and sell his fucking books then he has to go into the penalty box for a while and then one month later just like mark halpern just like as happened with mark halpern when he said dick called the president of the united states a dick you have to wait in the penalty box for 30 days mm-hmm. and then 31 days later he's invited back on the air so no matter what Newt Gingrich says or does, no matter how many times he lies, David Gregory will always have him on 30 days later and will never ask him a hard question about the lie he just told because that's David Gregory's job. Right. It's to keep clowns like Newt Gingrich viable, keep them in cold storage so that one day a presidential campaign comes along and Newt Gingrich is, has, now has a public profile. He now has a following. He now has free media all he wants. And if he loses, and I assume he will, I, I bet he'll win South Carolina. I'd put pretty good money on him winning South Carolina. But once he collapses and loses, he'll simply go back to being a regular guest on Meet the Press a and a Fox yep. employee and sell books, which is all he ever really wanted to do and did. And that's the reason you cannot talk about this on the air because once you start talking about well let me ask you a question mr gregory why do you why do you keep having this lying sack of shit on your show and never ask him a single question about the lies he tells david gregory's hair would burst into flames he cannot answer that question chuck todd cannot answer questions about why republicans why you never ever report the fact republicans are just fucking liars why don't you ever report the fact that fox news is not a news organization but can we flip this can we flip this pancake and talk about newt gingrich socialist yeah and (laughs) and all this talk about now you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about Mitt Romney's tax return and that Mitt Romney's not paying enough taxes. Yeah. Is this really lovely? where the Republican Party's going to go? Why not? We've always been at war with Oceania. We've always <laughs> been at war with East Asia. You flip a switch and these these clowns will believe anything. Yeah. So they're perfectly willing to, to talk about the the socialist hatred of wealth on the left. But let, let Newt Gingrich get up and wave a populist – you wave the populist bully rag, and boom, they're suddenly down with, yeah, what the fuck is up with that rich guy? Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't – and the problem is there's a piece of their brain that's missing, the piece that notices the fact they just contradicted what they believed five minutes mm-hmm. ago. That piece of their cranium, that piece of their, their gray matter is gone. And so it's easy. They look to the stars. They look to the heavens. They look to that star in the east. They look to Fox News to tell them. Who am I supposed to hate today? Oh, tell me, oh, Rush Limbaugh, who am I supposed to hate today? And Rush will tell them. Rush will mock Newt Gingrich a month ago and then support him now. Yep. And it's a, it's, a, it's a scam. It's a racket. And the problem is the people who are most screwed by the racket that's being played on them are the ones who defend it to the death. Yeah, well, and, and we and talked s- about that this week, the, the yep. idea that – and I was listening uh, online or listening on uh, Audible Book – to the new book by Thomas Frank, which is called Pity the Billionaire. (laughs) And he pointed out something that I hadn't really thought of before, that there is a segment of the right that no matter who is in office, no matter who controls Congress, no matter how many things are passed that they say they want passed, no matter how many victories Rush Limbaugh wins, they will always feel that they are aggrieved and oppressed because Mm -hmm. that's what feels good to them is to be able to raise your fist and say, yeah, yeah, you know, 
Washington. <laughs> Even if Washington is doing everything that they say they want done, they will always feel aggrieved. And so you can easily appeal to that. No matter what is nobody's representing you, even if the entire Congress, White House, everyone was a Republican. No one's representing you in Washington. And you're done. You win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you won. it is that sense of aggrieving, you know, the, the aggrievement of the uh, stupid right, that wing. Well, it's it's the it's the I firmly believe this is an echo of. The fallen Confederacy. The Confederacy, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that it's the that that loserness was burned onto their soul. Yep. That and and there's always there, there's something I forget the name of the historian or maybe it was Faulkner who said that every Southern boy can believe in his imagination, uh, imagine himself just before Pickett's charge, yeah, just before the it planta- all fell and apart. they were all plantation owners. There were no poor white yeah. farmers. Yeah, before they can the imagine Civil War. <laughs> They can imagine themselves at the peak of Southern civilization yeah, yeah. when everything was going their way just before the Union just just gutted them. Yeah. yeah. And and the sense of of, of really angry, peevish loserness yeah. and, the, and the, this bitter transgenerational hatred mm-hmm. of the North, of cities, of, blacks, of educated of women, people, of, of black people, of industrialization, of unions, all of it. Whether it's yeah. whether it's labor unions or the union army, yep. Yep. they hate them all, and and that has become their identity. Yeah. And this is something that, that Lee Atwater understood. If you if you go see the if you see the um, documentary Boogeyman, Lee Atwater tapped directly into the hateful, angry, aggrieved southern white soul that feels that it never gets a fair break that, that the world is always against them and has now just collapsed into a completely self-contained paranoid terrarium full of conspiracy theories that explains everything away everything is is the fault of the liberals everything is the fault of blacks everything is the fault of northerners and everything is the fault of uppity women mm-hmm. and and facts no longer even come close to penetrating their shell and the fact that the, that the that the that the right that the conservative movement has imported these people wholesale into the party of Lincoln is is just such a staggering development. So this I've said before is the number one historical, cultural, and news story of the last fifty years. Yeah. The party of Lincoln has become the party of Jefferson Davis, and the fact that nobody in our media dares to report that as a simple factual. Truth. When everyone knows that the real aggrieved, depressed party in this country <laughs> is Andrew Sullivan. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Poor Andrew Sullivan. Poor Andrew no, Sullivan. No one is kissing his toes over at Fox News. I know. He's, he, he actually said that he was on a, their blacklist. Oh, my God. Which because I urge been, you to look he's up. He's been allowed to pimp his Newsweek article. About how Every- both sides are equally wrong, criticizing Obama. Yes, <sighs> everywhere. Uh, this is this is a person with whom I have picked a bone for years. And, and the, the 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 end of the story is the funniest part, which is he gets to Fox News and now he's all pissy that he won't be invited on Fox News and they won't address his critiques directly that they keep ignoring him. And I'm. I'm, I'm laughing my ass off because I've written probably 200 posts critiquing, I think, seriously, honestly, and intellectually, I, I use the word fuck a lot, some deeply disturbing, deeply dishonest things Andrew Sullivan has said and done. 
and simply said, how about you respond to my criticism? How about you respond to my analysis of what you're saying? Because what you're saying seems completely wrong. Well, or here's, here's an why. honest question. There was You were on chat with yeah. Andrew Sullivan this week. Oh, yeah. Just, he had just asking him stuff. to clarify an issue in his article, which right. he had left out. Which he left out for a very good very reason, good. I believe. Go ahead and explain that. His, his, uh, I've asked this in email. I've asked it in posts. I went to his chat session on his website and asked a question as it started. So it was in the queue someplace. And he, he answered questions about how he came in his pants over uh, Sarah Palin. And how many times uh, he... Responding to one of his tweets and how much he loves Ron Paul. He answered a bunch of questions. He answered questions about his virus, his illness. He answered questions about everything. The question I asked him was really very simple. It's, you know, your thesis is that the left and the right are both equally wrong about Barack Obama. And when you critique the right, you list a whole bunch of prominent Republicans. You list Mitt Romney several times. You list Mitch McConnell by name. You list Rush Limbaugh by name. And then you impute to the, quote, deluded left, unquote, a whole bunch of things that I've heard here and there. But I've never heard a prominent list of liberals or lefties as prominent or anywhere near as prominent as the ones you critique on the right saying any of the things that you impute to them in your article. So please, sir, if you would be so kind, could you give me the list of prominent liberals, prominent Democrats, prominent lefties, prominent progressives who are as prominent and as powerful as Mitt Romney Romney and Rush Limbaugh and Mitch McConnell who are saying these terribly, terribly deluded things about Barack Obama? Because that's journalism. You're making a case. On the one side, you list names and actual citations. On the other side, you just say, well, you know, the left is crazy, too. And that's just the kind of lazy, centrist bullshit that I have been oh, calling. Oh, I, I don't think it's lazy centrist. I think it's fully intentional. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. It, is, it, is, it, it is lazy journalism, but it is, it is exactly the argument that you need to make as a horribly discredited conservative to keep your press pass. Right. Because you can't turn around and say liberals are right all along. Because what use would anybody have for you then? As I've said before, Andrew Sullivan doesn't view liberalism as an ideology. He views liberalism as a defect. Liberals are those people who never get asked to be on NBC, who never get asked to appear on Anderson Cooper 360, who never get the cover of Newsweek. So you can't be a liberal because liberal means you lose your fucking job. So you simply adopt the liberal critique of everything, including the right – including the war, including banks, you simply adopt, you simply steal wholesale everything liberals believe and say and say, well, this is really a, a conservative argument. This is really a centrist argument because the people on the left are just as crazy as the people on the right, although I'm never going to mention who the lefties are. It's the same argument Halpern makes all the yep, time. It's yep. the same argument Brooks makes all the time. And it is infuriating. So Andrew Sullivan, who was given, who's Tina Brown's new employee, who brought his good friend David Frum along, another discredited conservative, who now works for Tina Brown, who now has a bigger press presence than he ever had before, who's now a full member of that club, David Frum, who wrote for George W. Bush, who wrote the Axis of Evil speech for George W. Bush, um, who should never have another job in journalism. But, of course, he's a friend of a friend, so he gets to come along and be in the club with everyone else. But he gets the cover of Newsweek, and he gets uh, just glowing mentions on um, – 
the Chris Matthews show. He gets interviewed all over television. He's on Anderson Cooper 360. He's being debated and disputed, and his article is being celebrated. Um, Ezra Klein applauds it because I happen to agree with everything he says about conservatives. I totally agree with that. But the Fox News propaganda machine refuses to acknowledge that he even exists. They will they will have people on on television talking about his article, but they refuse to invite him on to engage directly on it. And my point is this. I understand exactly where you're coming from, Mr. Sullivan, because you won't engage with me. You won't engage with anyone who puts it forth an honest criticism of what you do. And this is <laughs> gets back to a little email exchange he and I had a couple of years ago where I put forth the criticism and he responded. And I said, yeah, but your criticism of those people is identical to my criticism of you. Why are you different? Why should you be held harmless when you do exactly the same thing to other people? And that is the last time Andrew Sullivan ever emailed me, ever. Because I was, I, I told him something he didn't want to hear. And, and I gave him an argument to which he had no response, which was, how are you different than Sarah Palin? Sarah Palin invents a fictional uh, history of conservatism in which she is the reasonable shining star and the true uh, the true inheritor of the Reagan legacy. You, Mr. Sullivan, invented an, an equally fake history of conservatism with an equally fake vision of Ronald Reagan and an equally an equal willingness to completely ignore the racism, viciousness, vitriol, lying, and cheating that has made the Republican Party a success for the last 30 years. You ignore all of that, and you place yourself as the true conservative while ignoring the fact that you were carrying water for evil people for most of your life. How are you philosophically any different than Sarah Palin? Please answer me this question. And he's never going to address that question because it's too embarrassing. No conservative will address that question who has turned their back on conservatism. The honest one is someone like John Cole. Yep. Over at Balloon Juice. Yep. He said, yeah, you know what? These fuckers are crazy. I was wrong to be a part of it. I washed my hands of it. Well, and Fuck Little em. Green Footballs, too, has done the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But Andrew Sullivan wants to, wants to keep straddling. He wants to keep saying he's the real conservative and that everyone else has got it all wrong. And that all the time he was playing footsie with these terrible people that he now loathes, that shouldn't count. Yeah. Because that happened before 2009, and yeah. therefore nothing before 2009. And that's the distinction. Sarah Palin says, and people like her say, history began on January 2009. David Frum believes history began when the American Enterprise Institute fired him. Andrew Sullivan believes that history began when George Bush fucked up the Iraq war. But anything before that, well, we just won't discuss whether liberals are right or not. Because who can remember what happened in 2003, for goodness sakes? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's me on my soapbox. I'm climbing. Well, off and we had a very nice email. We're going to close now. We had a very nice email from a gentleman from San Francisco, and mm-hmm. he writes to us, a few weeks, I just stumbled upon your podcast using Stitcher Radio, and I've been meaning to mention for several weeks now that we are available on Stitcher Radio, which is a uh, iPhone, BlackBerry uh, smartphone app that you can get that will allow you to stream podcasts. And we are there on Stitcher Radio. And Chad from San Francisco writes, a few weeks ago I stumbled upon your podcast using Stitcher from my BlackBerry, and it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> it's refreshing to hear the two of you voice what I have been thinking for a long time now in such an eloquent and emphatic way. We need more people like you. Keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Thank you. Chad, very much for your donation and your letter and for the reminder and kick in the pants to 
to mention Stitcher Radio. I've been meaning to do that. Mm-hmm. We are also have an iPhone app, which you can purchase the Professional Left app. It gives you access to our blogs, our Twitter streams, which are pretty lively these days, and uh, our both our blogs and our podcast, along with bonus content from time to time. If you purchase our app, please rate it, and that helps us a lot in terms of getting the word out about our podcast and our app. We have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to us for free with no download and no registration. There's a Facebook page linked at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. And I have an idea, Drift Class. One thing I'd like to do this year is uh-huh. we have a picture of the Internet Kitties up there right now on our website. Uh-huh. Um, yep. I'd like people to send us to our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, a picture either of their kitties or a pet that would like to be an honorary Internet Kitty. And I think we're going to start doing Internet Kitty of the Week and update our website every week with a new picture of one of our listeners' kitties or another pet that would like to be an honorary Internet Kitty. So feel free to... That sounds like work, Blue Gal. (laughs) (laughs) But we love our listeners, and we have gotten some fun pictures of people listening to to the podcast or with their notepad, their professional notepad or whatever. And uh, it would be fun to have something up there that is uh, from our listeners so that we can share and, and promote that community. We like that. And, and people should know that we in no way coordinated this with each other. No, we did not, <laughs> even though we're both wearing Callistic English hair right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. I look, I must say, amazing. You look adorable uh, in your Callistic English wig. You it really goes, do. I, and I was told yesterday, by the way, just as a brief aside, I spoke to someone that you know on the phone who told me that I don't sound like I write. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Anyway. Yeah, and then she emailed Digby. (laughs) (laughs) Drift Class has a sexy voice. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Digby, thank you for adding me to your blog. Yeah. yeah. That was nice nice of her. We're doing a lot of work together on Blue America and having weekly chats on Crooks and Liars with different Blue America candidates. We had Elizabeth Warren, her own self, on chat at Crooks and Liars on Thursday, and Alan Grayson is this weekend on Saturday. So that's been kind of fun, and I'm doing some promotional work on that with Facebook and Twitter and getting everyone to know about these chats that are going on with these Blue America candidates, and it's very worthwhile. So, One thing that I don't think most people know, our listeners probably do, but... If you if you're a new listener, don't know that Blue Gal just works her ass off for uh, to keep the indie blog world going, to keep Crooks and Liars up and running. She's a, a really valuable team member over there, and just does extraordinary behind the scenes work that you will never hear about, you'll never see, but you see the results in the smooth operation of lots of of the things that you enjoy about the internet. Well, thank you, and it's you're fun, welcome. and it's a great team over there. John Amato has a great group of people, so. It's always fun to work with them. Yeah. And it's a good cause. Getting Elizabeth Warren and Alan Grayson back in the Congress is like a really good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree with that. All right. Yeah. So uh, we are on iTunes. And again, don't forget we have the Professional Left app at the iTunes store as well. You can contribute to the podcast. There are three ways you can contribute. One is with a one-time donation to our PayPal account, and that it, that link is at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. There is also a link where you can give 5 or $10 a month to our podcast, which we really appreciate. That helps us budget, and we can uh, 
organize ourselves a little better knowing that that money is going to be coming in. And finally, you can send us a check along with any kind of letter. We love hearing from you. We have a P.O. Box. It is Professional Left Podcast, P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to write us anytime. If you write us, be aware that we reserve the right to read your email on the air or your letter unless you say otherwise. Well, and one thing, one of the things we discovered about our PO box is it's actually large enough to contain scotch and a phone book, a phone book. <laughs> and that was so funny. This week, Drift Class went to the podcast uh, post office box this week, and there was a slip with a package. I was like, "Oh wow, we got a package!" But the line was too long at the post office, so you waited till the next morning and went and picked it up, and it was a phone book. Yeah. yeah. So whoever sends the phone book, you know, that, <laughs> it wasn't that one wasn't of our funny. listeners. <laughs> that wasn't funny. It hurt. It hurt my feet. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if if uh, if you're inclined to send a bottle of scotch or cookies, oh, catnip, what have you, garlic, the, the, our PO box is like, is like garlic. That was so good. The first yeah, that really was that homemade garlic. garlic. That oh homegrown garlic was delicious. That was so good. And, and the kitties are still enjoying the home homegrown catnip. The home, so, and, and the internet kitty in the homegrown catnip, the person who sent us that, I think we're going to make his kitty an internet kitty because they sent us the catnip. Speaking of internet kitties, Blue Gal, yeah. how the hell are those internet kitties doing this week? Well, the internet kitties want Andrew Sullivan to know they've been on the Fox News blacklist since the 80s. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about, loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the wine and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2012, Drift Class Blue Gal Podcast. This was, this was just for Digby and for Jim. <laughs> a little shout out to you from ladies. Bow, chicken, bow, bow, Digby. Bow, chicken, bow, bow. This oh, goes man. out to Digby, just like the last, president this morning, yet right. last night at the Apollo Theater, uh-huh. singing, I'm so in love with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tweeted to Liz Winstead, there's not a dry pair of panties in the house when he was uh-huh. done with that. <laughs> it, it was like Jack Black at the end of High Fidelity. Like, it whoa. really was. Whoa. Dude, you could do that too? 